In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Take your copy of God's Word. There's two passages I want you to look at this morning. If you'll turn to Galatians chapter 5 and then put some, something there to kind of hold a place for you and then go to Acts chapter 2. Galatians chapter 5 and then we'll go over to uh, the book of Acts and chapter 2 together this morning. Now today we know that we are walking through the book of Acts this fall together. Actually we won't walk through the entire book. We, we may get to chapter 13 by the, by the end of the year together. Uh, but, but I want you to hear this. That, uh, we come to a moment as, as we're studying the New Testament church that they'd been waiting for say the word waiting with me waiting they waited for just for 10 days for the Holy Spirit but but follow with me for a moment in your life I think you if you look back that you would honestly say that there there were moments there were experiences or there are now and there are still more to come that have shaped your life is it true the New Testament church was about to be shaped. Now, look at chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what it says. When the, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Ten days earlier, they, they had gathered around the mountainside, remember, and Jesus had gone back to heaven. Now watch this, 33 years earlier, 33 and a half actually, almost 34 years earlier, there was a moment that would shape and shake the world. Jesus would come, and in Luke 2 and 10, the angel says, I bring unto you good news, for unto you today is born in the city of David a Savior. And we know for the next 30 years that we wouldn't see anything about Jesus except one little small incident in Luke 2 where he was in the temple uh, at the age of 12. We, Sam, we saw nothing about him. But at the age of 30, Jesus came onto the scene. And, and in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, he was baptized. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. And the Spirit spoke from heaven. God did and said, This is my beloved Son. It shaped the world. There were 12 men that it would shape, and for three and a half years, these 12 men would see the miracles of God. They wrote about them in the gospel narratives, and then the Bible said there was that day that shaped the whole world. Uh, Jesus, we know it as Passover, and we call it Good Friday, when that Jesus died on the cross. And the Bible says, we read it just yesterday in our reading plan in John in 5 and 29, that through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins came to us. And then three days later, by the way, Jesus would come out of that grave. Now watch what, what these were major moments. When you look at the history of Israel, they had three major holidays they celebrated. They celebrated Passover. They celebrated the Feast of First Fruits, and then the Feast of Pentecost. The first one was when Jesus died. They celebrated when the Passover lamb in Exodus 12, right, Henry? But now Jesus replaced that as the greater lamb who was sacrificed. And then on the first fruits, they would come. When the harvest was just coming, they would come together and they would, they would wave a sheave offering before God because it was the moment that they, for their first part of the harvest came. Now watch this. Jesus was resurrected on the feast day, so we worship on the first day of the week. Three days after Passover. Think about this fact then. But then they would wait 50 days. And then Israel would come back together again for the feast of Pentecost where they would celebrate all that they had done. All of the offerings of God. Now watch what happened. Watch the progression of God. God says, I'm going to give you a Passover, Jesus. I'm going to give you a taste, his resurrection. And then 50 days later, I'm going to do something. 
Let me say this to you. The people of God knew what to do. Look on the screen. The, the reformer said this. The, one of the great preachers of the gospel, Jonathan Edwards, when God is about to do a mighty new thing, he sets his people to pray. You say, Pastor, I, I'm really not following you. Now, look on the screen again. The next quote I want to give you this. The Christian life is successful only. Now, notice that word. You might want to underline it. Only in the strength of the Holy Spirit. There's a moment we're coming to where that there's going to be strength and power given by the Holy Spirit at the appropriate moment. But if you're not careful, you will miss this moment in your life. Some of you have not been shaped by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, you grew up Southern Baptist. I grew up Independent Baptist and became a Southern Baptist as, a, as God moved in that. And, and I believe in what we believe in doctrine. But there's one thing we missed, and that is the Holy Spirit. And some of you are still missing that. One of the great reformers, John Owen, in his book, Communion with God, I'm reading through it again now, in the 1600s says this, and I quote, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit was sent by both the Father and the Son. Now listen to what he said. When the Holy Spirit came, he began to magnify the work of Jesus Christ. Some today still wish Jesus was there with them. But a momentary movement of Jesus, if he literally came to you and worked right now, if he was with you, you could not receive what Jesus had because they're just one of him. But the Holy Spirit, when he came, he was given all the privileges of the Godhead. He gives to you what Jesus can't give you. He gives you Jesus. He gives you God to live on the inside of you and to work with you. So what do I want to talk to you about today? I've come to understand three particular things, and I want to offer them to you today. I want to give you three particular things that will help you to be connected to the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want to give you is this as they move along on the outline with me this morning. The first thing is this, that Christians need to be taught about the Holy Spirit. We need to be taught who he is and what he does. So let me ask you this. This is a good question this moment. Because I know, I know you're, you're drinking out of a fire hose right now. I get that. But here's the question. What is your current experience with the Holy Spirit? What is your current experience with the Holy Spirit? You say, Pastor, I don't want to understand that. Well, listen to what the Scripture says. Look with me in the text. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were suddenly to get, or excuse me, they were together in one place, and suddenly there came from, where does it say? Oh, there's no manufacturer. No Pentecostal crusade with a Benny Hinn or someone else that you might knock and try to equate that to the Holy Spirit. This is no setup deal. This is no wind machine, no smoke machine, none of those things. This is authentic. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all, and watch this, filled with the Holy Spirit. Some translations say Holy Ghost. And they began, oh, here it is, to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, friend, let me give you a footnote here. Don't get tied up in the tongues part and miss the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get caught up in, a, in, the, in the wind and look for a, an encounter of a moment, of just one moment. Look for what God wants to teach us. You see, the Bible is clear here. When this wind came, it reminds us how that in Exodus 20 at Mount Sinai, when they got there together, that God came down on that cloud. Remember Exodus 19 and 20, and it was a sound. It was a wind. It was shaking. It reminds us of, of, of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, when that God came down in the wind and spoke to him in a small, still voice. Here's the deal. Write it down. God was keeping his promise. 
In Isaiah 40 and 30 and 31, the, the prophet of God says that those that wait upon the Lord shall receive, receive him. They shall receive strength. They'll mount up the wings as eagles. They'll run and they'll not be weary. You see, God was keeping his promise. In the Old Testament, they couldn't understand this. They couldn't understand this at all. But God was keeping his promise. And so this wind came. And suddenly as they were sitting in the room in the prayer meeting, all of a sudden came down individual upon them. There were the, these fiery tongues. And they were individual reminding us of this, that God's work of salvation is an individual work and not a corporate work. Sadly enough, some people get saved in a moment or they think they're saved. They come down with 20 other people and they pray or their spouse says, if we're going to be pre-married or counseled, if we're going to get, you've got to pray to do that. Or I'm in a student camp and we come, but there was just no individual work. But these individual tongues came in reminding us of this as well. God was not only keeping his promise, but God was also reminding them of their purpose. You see, I would have thought in the Southern Baptist Church that it ought to have been the Bible that it looked like on top of their head. Why not the line of the tribe of Judah? Why did God choose this particular thing? It's a reminder to us. Now watch this, that God is wanting to fill your tongue with the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to share with a lost and dying world, locally, nationally, and globally. I want to ask you this, how, what is your connection to the Holy Spirit? What is your connection to the Holy Spirit and where that you are? The, the scripture says here that God was reminding them, was it not true that in Matthew 3, that John the Baptist, as he was talking about the ministry of Jesus in verse 11, he says, the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, some of you are thinking that this, this preacher is losing his mind, that he's going to take us off into a place that where we're falling in the floor and speaking crazily, and I'm not talking about that at all. There are abuses to the Holy Spirit. There are things that we do, and we'll get to them next week together. But today, I want to focus on the fact that there is a power that God wants to give you, but you need to be transformed by that power. But until you know who he is, you'll never be able to talk about him or embrace him. And when the Holy Spirit came, i got to tell you this, they didn't beg him to come. There is no second work of grace that you have to plead with God. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He comes at the invitation of the Father, of the invitation of the Son. When a person repents of their sins and believes on Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says to the Holy Spirit, he's next, she's next, Titus 3 and 5. The Holy Spirit comes in that moment and creates in us this new life. God said that we are new through Jesus Christ. The payment was made by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He became our advocate, but it is the Holy Spirit that brings you to life. You can't get beyond that. And if you have never experienced that, you may be hanging at the Passover saying, I'm at the cross, I'm at the cross, I'm at the cross. But Jesus Christ is all the way over at the Feast of Pentecost and saying, there's the work where it now needs to be in your life. You may not get this yet. Verse 5 says, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem. There were Jews, devout men, and actually women from every nation under heaven. Well, why were they there in that moment? It was one of the three feasts. So they were required by the law to come. So it was the natural flow of the moment. And at this sound, multitudes came together, and they were bewildered. Like, uh, were there, Rick, 120 people speaking 120 different languages? I don't know. But they were speaking not in unknown tongue, but in known tongues. Some of them were speaking. Now listen to this. The Bible says here, and each was hearing them speak in their own language. 
And listen to me. And they were amazed and astonished and saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? You know what that was? That was a put down. Well, these Galileans, they live in an ignorant part of the world. I could name certain parts of our county that some of you would think you're too good for them. From my hometown, from the holler that I'm from, they could say, aren't these people from eastern Kentucky that are speaking like this? This is the moment, and the Scripture says this. And how is it that we each hear in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Emilates and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, Palmathia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them, here it is, we hear them telling in our own tongue. Here it is, the mighty works of God. You say, how do you know that there are abuses? Well, here's why. Because in places where it's abused, people are speaking in tongues and people are, are saying they're operating in the spirits and it's lifting them up and not God. There's the key. You say, Pastor, have, have you ever seen this happen? Look at me, yes. I have been in places where people have heard the word of God in their own language when I wasn't speaking their language. I was sitting in a place in Malawi at Nine Mile Church, and I was so overwhelmed by the Spirit of God that I begged the Lord to let me hear in what they were singing in their own language. And as God is my witness, the Holy Spirit filled me, and I heard exactly in the English language what they were singing in their own language. So I don't believe that, preacher. Well, leave me alone. If you don't want to experience God's power for working, you see, the truth is, as those people began to speak, they didn't speak about themselves. They did not say, let me tell you about my trip. They did not talk about the game. They didn't talk about the many useless, the hour-long thing. They were, it was not a commentary about what they thought the, that, that the emperor of Rome should be doing. It wasn't a waste of time. See, they began to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. They lifted him up. They began to say, hey, you guys over in Parthia, did you know that 33 and a half years ago that Almighty God who cared for us, who was the creator, sent his own son, Jesus Christ, Jesus, who is the anointed Messiah. Do you know that he came? And do you know that he was born of a virgin? And do you know that for 33 and a half years he lived a perfect life? He represented God because he is God. And for those years, he let us see who God is. He taught us from God as God himself. And then on, a, on this certain day, he cared so much for us in our brokenness that he went to a cross and died because that was the only way that the payment for your sins and my sins could be made. And he died there on the cross so that I could be forgiven and so that I could have a new life, so that I could be created again in Christ Jesus, so I would have a new life. And I want to tell you the best part of it all, three days later, he got up out of the grave. That's my Jesus. But you can't do that apart from the Spirit. You say, what do you mean? First John 2 and 20, we have an anointing from the Spirit. You can't do it apart from the Spirit. Hey, listen to me. You say, why? Because you get old and can't remember. I'm 55. And I can, sometimes I can't remember it's the refrigerator. But there's something about it, Brother Rick. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, I'll memorize fit, or speak out 50 scriptures. Tony, you know what I'm talking about. When the, it's the Spirit that gives you the ability to understand this book and to communicate it. And so there they were, and I want to tell you this. 
that when you have understood and taught about the Holy Spirit, here's what you do. Look, look at these things that come on the screen. You now leave the shallow end of fear. You now are willing to speak because God's the one filling you. You're able to speak boldly the word of God because it's in your heart. You're able to tear down strongholds in your mind and in your heart. You're able to defeat the forces of hell. And you're able, praise God, hallelujah, to live the way God intends for you to live. That is what happens. You see, the truth is that there are those who were there, watch, they needed to be taught and in that moment as they spoke, watch this, they were not hearing about it, they were experiencing it. So not only do Christians need to be taught about the Spirit, we need to be touched by the Spirit. You say, Pastor, if I come down there to the invitation, will you lay your hands on me and touch me and give me the Holy Spirit? Can't do it. When we get to Acts chapter 8, the Simeon wanted to be taught, taught by the Holy Spirit. He wanted to be touched by the Holy Spirit. He thought Philip could do it, and, and Philip could not do it, and he was not wanting to be touched by the Spirit. He said, but wait a minute now, preacher. I have to disagree with you because in, in Acts 2, they were touched by God. Over in Acts 10, again, and they spoke in tongues. Now watch this. In Acts 2, it was a movement of God so that the Jews would be in the kingdom. In Acts 10, it was so that, that the Gentiles would be in the kingdom of God. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit in the unique way, but from the moment of the beginning, God's moved individually on people, and at the moment of their salvation, they here it is, here it is, lean in, they got baptized in the Spirit. So, hmm, this is hard. So if you don't have any movement of the Spirit, is it that I just, maybe I'm missing something? We have to own this truth. If there is no spirit, if there's no inclination in your life to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind, and thy neighbors thyself, it could be this very fact, you are not saved. In Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, it says if you're not controlled by the sinful nature, you're controlled by the spirit. If you're controlled by the Spirit, you have Christ. He lives inside of you, and your body will begin to die because of sin, but the Spirit will give you life. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And as just as he raised Christ from the dead, he gives life to your mortal bodies. You are now different. You may, not, you may not be perfect. Now listen to me. Some of you now are going through things with friends around you and you are battling, trying to, trying to in your mind, settle it that they, they are saved. And that's not the issue. If they are saved, they're going to know it. In John 16, verses 9 and following, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He also is the convictor. He also is the one who is the champion of our lives. And so today, I want to say this to you. Quit making allowances for people's sins by saying they're saved now of the will of God. Because David taught us in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 that if you are saved, you'll be miserable in your sin. People out here enjoying their lifestyle of sin and rebellion against God. And here you and I are putting your arm around them and taking false comfort that they're believers. They are not. They cannot be. The 120 that preached, Brother Sam, they knew they were believers because they'd been touched by God. And so they, but they were confused. You know the text. And the scripture tells us that, that some of them in verse 13, they, they, they thought that they were drunk with the, with the wine. Look what the text says here with us in the Scripture. The Scripture says in verse 13, but others mocked and saying they were filled with new wine. But Peter stood up in verse 14. I praise the Lord for this. 
He lifted his voice and he addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for since these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, it's 9 a.m. Not even drunks get drunk at 9 a.m. It's impossible. It's impossible for that. And can I tell you this, that there are those people that get filled with the Spirit of God and preach. And there are those who are used by God in powerful ways that you and I are like, whoa, that person's just crazy. I want to tell you that God moves. The, the Bible says in John chapter 3 that Jesus told Nicodemus to be born again. And he said this, the wind blows wherever it wants and when it wants. And the truth of the matter is that, that God will touch you not when you want it, but when he wants it. But you've got to make some decisions in your life. We have taught around this place for eight years together that the progression of your faith is this. There is salvation, there is surrender, and there is spirit-filledness. They're all tied together in the success of God. And apart from any one of them, you will miss it. And so the scripture says, verse 16, notice this, but this is what is uttered through the prophet Joel. In Joel 2, 28 through 32, if you know the context, Tony Murata, his commentary, the context is this, is that the prophet was looking to the end when the spirit would complete the work of Jesus. The second coming is going to be the main focus, but, but we know that, that Peter takes this and sees the meaning also in Christ. So hundreds of years before Christ is coming, the promise was made that the Holy Spirit was coming, and we're beginning to understand who he is. The third person of the triune God, co-equal with God, representing God the Father and God the Son, magnifying Jesus the whole time, speaking the words of Jesus, comforting us so that we can get through trials and tribulations, filling us to live the right way. And he says, I want to touch you. And the scripture says, notice in verse 17, and in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you understand the scripture in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3? The Bible is so clear that in the last days, God has spoken to us through Jesus. At the moment that Jesus ascended back to the Father, the clock said 10 more days. And on the day of Pentecost, and we don't need another day of Pentecost, what we need is people to surrender their life to the Holy Spirit. Now, follow me now. The scripture says here, I'll pour out my spirit. So beginning at the, at, at the cross of Christ and then at this moment, from that moment on, that everyone who believed on Jesus Christ began to be saved. Now, for the, for the Jew, they couldn't understand this because they'd only seen people like Samson. They'd only seen people like Elijah. They'd only seen people in the Old Testament who, who the Spirit would come upon them. Saul, who was never saved, the Spirit came upon him, remember? And he was victorious. He was not even a believer, but God did that miracle power. And so they, they'd been taught by the rabbis that this is just for, just for a few people. But now Peter is standing and saying, everybody who gets saved receives this power. I don't know about you. You may not want that power today, but I do. Because I know without that power, people won't be saved. And without that power, people will not be sanctified. And without that power, they will not be standing ready to meet God. And so here they were, and the Scripture says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. In other words, they'll give forth the truth of the gospel. Do you know that we have high school kids and college kids and middle school kids right now filled with the Spirit of God who are going into their schools and they're reaching and teaching people the gospel? We see it all over the world taking place. Now watch this. Your young men shall see visions. That means they'll understand the truth of the gospel. In Acts 27, Paul saw that in the midst of the storm. And your old men, any old men in the room, will see dreams. They'll have the dreams that Paul had in Acts 16. Where were to go? The vision of God. 
See, that's why we get old. It's not because we physically get old. We're all going to get physically old. But the one thing I know about Merle Price, who will soon be 96, is he walks in the spirit. And just because he's a physically old man, he's not a spiritually old man. He is a mature man in his walk with God. And I want to tell you this today. Every, even on male servants and female servants in those days, he's not for slavery, but he's saying, those who are enslaved, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. They'll give truth and I'll show wonders in the heavens above. Some of you are saying, I just don't know what to say. Anybody do that? I don't know what to say, Keith. I don't know what to say to people. Listen to me. It's because you're not in tune with the Spirit. The Spirit knows what to say. Now watch what it says here. I'll show you wonders in the heavens above. Did that not happen in Jesus' ministry? Did not Jesus say that when he left, the disciples and you and I would do greater works? So where are the greater works? Where are the greater works? Where are the signs and the wonders? Where are the people who go to the altar and believe that God can heal anybody? He can save anybody. He can turn a nation around. He can give life in the out of people who were dead. We as a church have to make a decision today. Are we going to join the movement of God or are we going to stay in our place? I'll tell you, I am tired of living in a country that has no spiritual backbone and living in a place where there are churches that are spiritually dead, playing the game where lives are not being changed. I'm tired of being around families where that they're just constantly losing the battle. Listen, it's time. Hallelujah, it's time that we get touched with the presence of a holy God and say, God, I want to be touched in ways I've never been before. So I'm not understanding here. Listen, the Bible says there'll be signs on the earth. There will be blood and fire and vapor and smoke. So what in the world is that? He now moves. There will be a moment in time in Romans 11 when the last, last person will be saved and the Lord's going to come and, and then there will be the judgment of a holy God. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the de- great day the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Look in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? When was the last time you asked somebody to call on the name? Say, what do you mean? You sit down with someone that begin to talk to you about all their problems. What happened? When was the last time you said, let's just call on the name? Instead of complaining all the time about what's not right or what's wrong and people, why don't we just start calling on the name? We sang it this morning. Friend, am I, am, I, am I the only one in here that's got this? I believe you want to have it. You see, listen to this. Christians, we need to be taught. We need to be touched. But here's the problem. This is where I feel the wall, Pastor Rick, in the house. I feel the wall in the house right now. Christians desperately, write this down, need the transforming strength of the Holy Spirit. We need the transforming strength of the Holy Spirit. Go with me, if you would, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Listen to what it says in chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Write this down. The Holy Spirit must lead the direction of your life. He must must lead the direction of your life. You say, I don't understand what that is. Well, just hang with me. You'll get it in a moment. Verse 17 says, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things, here it is, you want to do. Now follow me. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Holy Spirit must lead the direction of your life. But here's secondly, the Holy Spirit must be given the freedom to make adjustments to your life. 
See, that's what it is to be connected to the Holy Spirit. It is the fact is that, that you have his hand because he saved you. He offered you the hand of, his, of Jesus Christ, and you are connected. But now watch this. He's the one who's in charge. When he nudges, you go. The Bible says quench not the Holy Spirit. When you quench the, when you quench the Holy Spirit, you know what he, he does? Listen to this. Lean in. Lean in. Here's what he does. He quits tugging. So he's gone. No, 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 no. What he does is this. He's just, it's kind of like his, his hands, like, it's kind of like a wimp. But if you don't want to follow him, Brother Don, he'll just let you go. And by the way, think about where you're trying to pull God to. When he's grieved, the scripture says, there's no power. Look on the screen, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control against such. Now watch this, there is no, watch this, there's no law. See, some of you come to church for the law. The only reason you don't do some things you don't do is because the preacher preaches the hell out of you. Come on. I don't want to be in a church that's the law church. I don't want to have to be a pastor, Rick, that's a law pastor. I want to be a pastor that you could have the freedom and the Spirit of God. Now watch this, write this down. The Holy Spirit's probably already there. Must be free to fill every part of your life. He must be free to fill every part of your life. Here it is, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If you have your life, let Him lead. Let Him lead. Here is the final point of our journey together today. The Holy Spirit must be in charge all the way to the end of the journey. I want to ask you now, is this a moment in your life that you're ready for some changes? Are you ready for some changes in your life today? You say, Pastor, I, I don't understand. For some in this room, you are saved. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, there is no tug from God. You say, well, how did I get the tug back? How, how, do, how do I get it back? Here's how you get it back. Don't get distracted now. Don't get distracted. You get it back through repentance. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.